Hey, everybody, this is Robbie Robinson with Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, and you are listening, my friends, to the Robert Miller Follow Your Dream podcast. Oh, what a podcast. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast. I am Robert Miller, your host. Today, I am honored to have as my guest, Mr. Joey D of Joey D and the Starlighters fame. They had a massive number one hit in 1962 with a song called The Peppermint Twist, which came out during the twist dance craze of the early 60s. They were then the house band at the Peppermint Lounge in New York City. We're going to talk all about that. That was the in club at the time. It was frequented by so many different celebrities like the Beatles, Jackie Kennedy, Judy Garland, John Wayne, and the list of famous musicians who have played with the band is a real who's who. It includes Jimi Hendrix, Ronnie Spector of the Ronettes, and Felix Cavalier of the Rascals, even Joe Pesci, the actor. And Joey has a new book out now, which is called The Peppermint Twist Chronicles, that describes the whole scene back then, and we're going to talk about it during this episode. And you know that each episode, I feature one of my songs underneath the introduction and at the end. And what you're hearing now underneath the introduction is a song of mine. It's a reimagined version of the song The In Crowd, which was a big hit first recorded and made famous by Dobie Gray in the mid-1960s. And our version for Project Grand Slam, my band, is on the album PGS7 that was released in 2019. I chose this song for obvious reasons because Joey D was part of the in crowd in the early 1960s. So Joey D, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thank you, Robert. And I, I like the, uh, I thought I heard the instrumental was Ramsey Lewis, wasn't it? Ramsey Lewis did another version of that. That was the instrumental version, but the original was Dobie Gray. Thank you for including me in the in crowd. And I was in the in crowd in 1960. I started at the Peppermint Lounge and it took me uh, 13 months to create the song, The Peppermint Twist. And the reason that happened was uh, I'm a Jersey boy and I got discovered by Don Davis, a New York City agent was driving through Jersey and saw a plethora of cars outside of this nightclub on Route 46. And he came in to see what all the hubbub was about. And it was my band, which was the number one band in New Jersey. And I had the two best singers in New Jersey in the group. So we drew massive crowds. And uh, on my break, he called me over to the table and said, how would you like to play in New York City? And of course, that was every entertainer and every musician's dream back then. So, uh, of course, I concurred. We signed some papers, and I w went there for a three-day stint at the Peppermint Lounge, a Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, 
in September of 1960. And they liked this so much, the management fired the band I filled in for and made us the house band. <laughs> now, I heard a story, Joey. Tell me if this is true, that when you came to New York to the Peppermint Lounge the first time, like one of those first nights, the actress Merle Oberon was in the audience and she was dancing the night away. And then Earl Wilson, the big gossip columnist, picked up on it. And from then on, the lines were just out the door to get into the club. It's incredible, Robert, how this occurred. People unaware of where the Peppermint Lounge was, it was on West 45th Street between 6th and 7th Avenues, which is at the heart of the theater district. Right. So Merle Oberon, and I'm a big movie buff, so I was a big fan of hers anyway, came in to get out. It was a very cold and dark and rainy night. And she came in with Charlie Knickerbocker, Sergio Blensky. And they came in and I was doing, which I did every night, part of my uh, show, Hank Ballard's version of the twist. Hank gets very little credit as being the uh, writer of the twist and creator with the Midnighters of the dance. Hold so on, I, I got to stop you there. So the, he was before Chubby Checker? He wrote it. Yeah, of course. Oh, I didn't know that. See that? If you listen to both versions, Hank was on King Records and Chubby was on uh, Cameo or Parkway, whichever. And Dick Clark said, I have a hit record. And his wife suggested Chubby to sing the song. They they thought uh, uh, Hank Ballard wasn't the right type and Chubby was more acceptable to the Dick Clark audience, if you know what I mean. Because back in the 60s, we were going through some some tough times. But uh, if you listen to the two records, they're almost identical. It's almost a clone. Wow. So that was the reason. But back to Merle Oberon, she came in out of the rain with Charlie Knickerbocker and saw the kids doing this dance on the dance floor, which was the twist, which I taught them. And she got up as a hoot, I guess, and started dancing with the kids. And Charlie Knickerbocker wrote it the next day in the Daily News. And it just automatically became a phenomenon. That's all I can call it. That's exactly what it was. And they didn't spend 10 cents in advertising. <laughs> the place became world famous. The term jet setters came because people were flying from Europe, from South America, from Asia, from Africa, just to come to the Peppermint Lounge. And anybody who was a celebrity of any sort in politics, in music, in theater, in film, came to the Peppermint Lounge. And I'll give you a rundown. Uh, you mentioned some of them. I can give you some more if you'd like. But, you know, what you were saying is that it's true. The twist became not just a local phenomenon, not just an American phenomenon, but an international phenomenon. In, in a lot of ways, it wasn't just the music. The dance was one thing in itself. But uh, the novel, I, uh, the novel I, it's not a novel, autobiography I wrote, Peppermint Twist Chronicles, is very much hysterical at the same time. Understand this, Robert, and I'm very most proud of all my accomplishments of this fact. I had the first integrated band to have a number one hit on Billboard magazine. Wow. So I'm, I'm very, very proud of that fact. And I was going through, this is 
started in the 1958. I started this before we became famous, before we got to the Peppermint Lounge. So I had an integrated band in New Jersey. And in the book, it'll state there were a couple of venues we went to. And they said, well, this person isn't allowed. That person allowed. I said, well, they're not allowed. I'm not allowed. And we started packing gear and walking out and they changed their minds. Good for you. It's all in the book. Well, I didn't do a special thing. I did the right thing, Robert. That's what I was supposed to do. My parents always taught me. And I'm a first generation American. Both my parents were born in Italy. They said to me, you're going to meet good people and bad people. Stay away from the bad. Keep the good close to you. You know, just a small little story. I, I was uh, about 10 years old or so in the early 60s. And I remember with my family, we took a road trip down to Florida. And on the way there, of course, you drive through the South. And it was the first time that I ever saw separate bathrooms, separate water fountains, separate restaurants. Incredible. And, you know, people today can't really comprehend what it was like, but there really were two Americas. So I compliment you that you brought the band together in that fashion. Well, thank you. And I'm glad you mentioned the South because I was offered uh, $15,000 a week to do a tour of the South. And he says, but you can't bring the colors with you. And that's what they call it. And I said, uh, well, if they don't come, I'm not coming. So I hung up on them. Three weeks later, I get a call. Okay, you can bring the colors with you. And I says, okay, send the deposit. We'll be on our way. So it started in Maryland, of all places, not thinking that was part of itself. And um, we'd get to a hotel. Uh, Yeah, you can come in, but they can't come in, was the situation. Went to a restaurant. You can come in. They can't come in. Drinking fountains, lavatory, same situation. And I got to the point, Robert, I said, you know what? The hell with this. I'm not accepting this. We went to what I call Soulville. You know, maybe you've seen the movie Green Book. Sure. Okay. Well, that got an Academy Award. And it was all the Green Book tells the people up north where they can go to restaurants, hotels, where they'd be welcomed. Right. Now, I didn't need a Green Book. I had Carlton Lattimore, my keyboardist, who was from Florida. And I had Willie Davis, who was from Savannah, Georgia. So I was cool. When we got to town, they knew exactly where to go. <laughs> so they had their own network, and it was great. And they treated us royally. And because of that, I was featured in Jet Magazine. Joey D had the nerve and turned down all of this money to make things right. Good for you. That's really a nice story to hear. It really is, particularly, you know, we have so many problems in this country, but that was a problem back then. And and you did the right thing, as you said. Like I say, started in the late 50s and it went on through my whole career. And that's how I got. Here was my mantra, Robert. I said, uh, to paraphrase Martin Luther King, don't judge a person by his character, the content of his character. I judge him by the content of their musicality and their talent. So, and that was it. They were that good. They were the best. And it, well, I proved it. We got a number one. We did two movies. And <laughs> I, I couldn't be more happy about that. Tell me about some of the guys that played in the band with you, because I'm fascinated by that. Jimi Hendrix, for example. 
Okay, well, that came later. Let's do it chronologically. Okay. First one would have been Joe Pesci on guitar. He brought in a singer from my group called Larry Venieri. They were uh, Larry's from Newark, and Joe Pesci was from uh, Belvum, New Jersey. All Jersey boys. Was Joe Pesci an actor at that time, or just a musician? No, we're going to get to that. Okay. So he became my guitar player, and I get an offer after the Peppermint Twist came out to do a movie, Hey, Let's Twist for Paramount, and Pesci comes up to me and says, can you get me in a movie as an extra? I said, let me talk to the producer and I'll see what I can do. So the, the producer and director said to me, you want this guy in a movie? I said, I would really like that. I considered it a favor. Can he twist? I says, he's great twister. He's in. So that's the first motion picture Pesci ever appeared in. A let's twist for Paramount. Joey Dean featuring Joey Dean. I hope he remembers what you did for him. He did. We've been friends ever since. Great. Okay. Now at the peppermint lounge, the place is uh, in total mayhem chaos. It was so many people there supposedly by the fire laws held 228 people. We had over five, 600 people in there at a time. I'm on a stage. I look out in the audience. I see three lovely young ladies. I says, what the heck? They shouldn't be, even be old enough to get in there. Although the drinking age at the time in New York City was 18. In Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania was 21. So here's how I got my first break. I come from Passaic, New Jersey, where the Shirelles came from. And I asked Shirley, Beverly, Mickey, and Addie, can you get me an audition with your record company, Scepter Records. And they said, Joey, we'll try real hard. They got me it. They got me a record contract. They, they liked this so much. Florence Greenberg, who also lived in Passaic, New Jersey. So that's how we got there. So I'm looking at these girls and I said, you know what? Shirley gave me an opportunity and, and the rest of the Shirelles. And I said, I'm going to give, they, they look terrific and they dance great. So I said, even if they can't sing, the crowd will love them. So I had him get up <laughs> on stage. I handed the mic to Ronnie. And they started singing What I Say, my band knew, of course. It was number one at the time. Right. And they tore the house down. Immediately after the song, I said, don't go anywhere. I'd like to have you join my group. And that's how the Ronettes be became part of Joey Dean, the Starlighters. And that's how eventually... Phil Spector met them, married Ronnie, and made all the great hit records. Wow. You're tying it all together here, Joey. Well, it's, it's just amazing. And then now we'll we'll uh, fast forward from 62 to 65. I'm in need of a guitar player. We were in constant flux after the, the hit uh, subsided, the hit records. Right. I had Shout, Mashed Potatoes, and What Kind of Love Is This? But all within a short period of time, 61 to 63. So uh, I went and I asked my drummer if he knew anybody. His name was Jimmy Mays. Uh, and he had worked with Shirelles and, and the Marvelettes. And uh, so all quality people, all stars. And I said, I need a guitar player, Jimmy. He said, you know what? I just heard of this dude that's in New York City right now. He just got off the road with the Isley Brothers and Little Richard. I said, he's got to be the goods. He's got to be the real deal. So I was living in Lodi, New Jersey at the time. And I said, Jimmy, I'll have my uh, nephew, Johnny, and you drive to the city, pick him up and bring him to my house in Lodi and I'll, I'll audition him. This happens. 
they pick up Jimmy at this St. James Hotel, which is on 45th Street, a real roach rat infested dive. <laughs> but that's what we had to contend with back yep, then. Yep. Everybody was trying to make it. And you had to put up with this. So he comes uh, to my house. He didn't even have a case for his guitar. He had a bandana around his head, a real cool dude. And um, he comes into the house. I welcomed him. I said, uh, what's your name? He said, Maurice James. I said, uh, welcome to my home. I said, uh, we'll go in my garage now. He had a little amplifier, must have been 12 by 12 by 12, a real tiny one. Yeah. And plugged his guitar in it. He was a jazz master Fender at the time. And he said, what would you like me to play? And I said, no, just the opposite. I want you to play what you like. So he started playing Curtis Mayfield, and I'm an R&B guy. Uh -huh. So once he, I started hearing that, I said, oh, man, that's fantastic. I said, you got the gig. And then there are some ensuing stories with Jimmy and me and my family and being on the road. And you can imagine what went on. We were, we were superstars, <laughs> and we took advantage of uh, every venue we went to. And, and it's all in the book, Peppermint Twist Chronicles. If you want to know about Jimi Hendrix, there's some stories about him. Uh, I'll tell you one little brief one. We took him to uh, a hair salon because he loved to get his hair done. And that's in the book, a great story about that. And some other great stories that only I know because I'm the only one was there except for Jimmy Mays and my, and my uh, nephew, Johnny. So his name at the time was Maurice James. Yes. And then uh, I had a nightclub in New York city called Joey D starlight. I was New York's number youngest nightclub owner. So um, he played in a band and while he's playing there, Chaz Chandler comes in from the animals with Eric Burton. Right. They saw him and they, they saw the magnitude of the talent. So while he was playing there for 1965, while we, we went on the road many times, but when we were there, they came in, Chaz signed him to a contract. Right. Took him back to England and he comes back and he's Jimi Hendrix. 65, he said, I'm going to take Jimmy back. And I got a, some great stories about what transpired between Chaz Chandler signing him and discovering him at, Joey D Starlighter and going on to the, the next level. It's just, just amazing. You know, I've told this story once before in my podcast, but I used to frequent the club in Greenwich village called the cafe. Wa. And I used to see Dylan there. There you go. But there was a time when Jimi Hendrix who was probably Maurice James at the time, because I didn't know his name, yes. but he was playing there one day. I thought he was in the house band. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But, you know, he's a left-handed guitar player, which stood out to me. I didn't know who he was, but I thought he was magnificent when I saw him at the time. Really? And then the next time I see him, it's when he's Jimi Hendrix. And I said to myself, wait a minute, this is the guy that I saw at the Cafe Wa. Sure enough, that's where it was. Yeah. And it's the same guy. And he played the guitar upside down. I said, how? <laughs> But he did, and he played it better. In my opinion, rock and roll's number one guitar player. Yeah, he's something else. Chuck Berry might have been the pioneer, but but Jimi Hendrix was the rock and roll star. Hey, everybody. My Follow Your Dream handbook is an Amazon number one bestseller. It's a combination memoir of my unique musical journey and a step-by-step how-to 
for you to follow and succeed at your dream. It's available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Check it out today. All right, tell me the story now about all the guys from the Rascals that also played with you. Now, Jimmy goes, and I need another group. I get uh, Eddie Brigatti, who's a brother of David Brigatti, who was the original Starlighter. We made the Peppermint Twist and all the records. And I do the record, What Kind of Love Is This, for the second movie. I did two tickets to Paris for Columbia uh, movies. And I needed another background singer. So I said to David, do you know one? He says, my kid brother, uh, he's only 15, but he can sing great. He learned doo-wop from me off, you know, when we were singing on the street corners. I said, well, bring him in and we'll try him. And he was fabulous. So I hired him. I knew uh, Gene Cornish had just left the Peppermint Lounge. He was from Rochester, New York, and he's a guitar player. And he was going to come and join my band. So I hired those two. And then I needed a keyboardist. So I live in Jersey. I went to the club called the Choo Choo Club in Garfield, New Jersey, Who's playing it? This kid, Felix Caballier and the Escorts. And he's playing a Hammond B3. And I said, wow, this kid is smoking. And he sounded like Marvin Gaye. I said, <laughs> this is right down, my, this is in my wheelhouse. So I go and I said, I'm, I'm going to use you, man. So when I'm, I'm doing a tour in Europe, my keyboard player had just gotten married. His wife got homesick, wanted to fly back to Jersey. They did. I called my manager, contact the owner, Sal Benor from Choo Choo Club, let him get a hold of Felix and fly him out here. That's what happened. And while I'm there, there's another great story. But anyway, I put the Young Rascals together sans uh, Dino Danelli. But I knew Dino. He was with a group called Ronnie Speaks and the Elrods. I mean, I'll give you all the details because <laughs> I was there, Robert. All right, I want to get the details because Felix is going to be on this podcast soon. And I'm going to ask him about all of this. I want to make sure that he tells the same story. Well, he's, he's got, <laughs> got to tell the same story. He'll tell you he was at the Choo Choo Club when I, when I hired him. And he, he had a great voice and a great sound on the Hammond B3. Yep. And getting back to, for your fans that like uh, minutia or rock and roll or, or statistics, I had three guitar players. Two of them are in the U.S. Hall of Fame. Hendrix, of course, also in the English uh, Great Britain Hall of Fame. And one won an Academy Award. How's that for picking guitar players? Not bad. Not bad. You could have been an agent, too. No, no, no. I like being right where I was. <laughs> well, listen, you created some fabulous music, too. And I want to go to the second part of this show which is what I call a song fest. To me, it's the most fun part of all my shows with musicians because we get to play some of your music and we get to talk about it as well. So the first song that we're playing now kind of underneath us is your big, big hit, The Peppermint Twist, which you co-wrote. Wow. Ah. Come on, baby. Oh, shake it, baby. 
So tell us a little bit about how that song came to be. This came about in on a Sunday afternoon in uh, the uh, dressing room where they had a little piano of uh, the Peppermint Lounge. What happened was with all the hubbub that was going on in New York City and everybody coming in, I had three record company, companies come and ask to sign me. Capitol Records, Atlantic Records, Roulette Records. I didn't know Roulette Records was owned by a Ghanif, in Italian means uh, <laughs> a crook. <laughs> yes. But anyway, his name was Morris Levy. And I said to the, I said to Ahmed Erdogan from Atlantic, how long will it take you to get the record out? We need a record immediately. I knew that. He said, three to six months. No good. Uh, Nick Vinay from Capitol Records. How long did it, would it take? One to three months. Morris Levy, two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. So I said, there's only one caveat. I have one problem, and that is I'm signed to Scepter Records. He said, kid, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what? I didn't worry about it. Unknown to me at the time was he was associated and an underling for the Gito Genovese family, right. who also owned the Peppermint Lounge, uh, the, uh, Birdland, and many other entertainment places, besides other side businesses. And we're talking about pretty soon we're going to have uh, a resurgence of the Sopranos. Well, I grew up with the Sopranos kind of guys in my neighborhood, right? In Passaic. So I knew what to expect with the wise guys and this and that. And uh, I knew I wanted to be a musician and not a wise guy. So I was always very friendly with them, but uh, I never got involved in that, that respect. Well, guys like Morris Levy were infamous for those connections. And the one thing you can say about him, I guess, is that, yes, he got things done. Okay. Probably not in the nicest way either. He had a great ear. Tommy James was also a record made of mine. Lou Christie is a record made of mine, all on roulette. And he had the ear to pick the hits out. The guy was fabulous. And there's a story in my book, Peppermint Twist Chronicles, about when my career was on a down downswing and uh, Tommy James was on the upswing, he had Crimson and Clover out. He also had some other songs on his album. Morris Levy said, there's a hit on here, Joey. I'd like to see you, you sing it. I said, but it's Tommy James. He says, I'll take his voice on it, off it, put yours on it. <laughs> I said, okay. I mean, simple as that, huh? <laughs> and I knew Tommy and we were, we were very, very good friends, still are. And um, it's you got to read the book, man. The stories are are fantastic. Some salacious and some bawdy, but it's all the real deal. Some ninety uh, percent of the book I'm very proud of, Robert. Right. Percent of the book I'm ashamed of. Okay. Well, listen. It sounds like it's a fabulous book. Okay. And nothing but the truth. Okay, let's move on to the second song, which was another one of your big hits. This one, it was definitely in the top 20, 1962. I'm talking about the song, What Kind of Love Is This? What kind of love is this That makes me want to jump and shout I want to know What kind of love is this That turns my heart inside out It's that itchy, twitchy feeling that I have inside Something overwhelming that I just can't hide I wanna know 
I loved that song back then. Tell us a little bit about it. Here's how it came about. Uh, and I didn't give credit when, when you said back to how did the Peppermint Twist, who wrote it on that Sunday. Morris Levy sent me Henry Glover, who was the A&R man for Roulette Records. And he and I wrote the Peppermint Twist in uh, the back of the Peppermint Lounge. So now Henry Glover's in charge of the music for both movies. So he gets Johnny Nash to write me a love song. The great Johnny Nash. I can see clearly yep. now, et cetera, et cetera. And he was from Jamaica and he had that, uh, that vibe. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> but he's a sweet, sweet guy and a beautiful voice. So he wrote this song for the movie for me. And now, now I'm doing a solo like Frankie Valley did with the four seasons later on in his career. Right. I can't take my eyes off you and that kind of stuff. Frankie was my idol. I used to go see him when he were the four lovers prior to also. And so much information in that book. Listen, it, it, it'll make a great Christmas present. Go to uh, Amazon. It's a 20 buck. It's a soft cover. But here are some of the people that have endorsed it. Sir Barry Gibb, Ronnie Spector, Shirley Reeves from the Shirelles, Frankie Valley, Tony Orlando, Ad Infinitum. I, I can give you 50 more. Tommy That's a who's who. It pretty much... Gary Puckett, I mean, it, on and on. It was, it's, I'm so proud that they have read the book and they thought so much of it. And this is all, there's stories in there, Robert, I can't tell you, but uh, I'll, I'll just give you one name and you'll know what I'm talking about. Lenny Bruce. Okay. okay. Also an occurrence with him and you'll love it. For 20 bucks, you can get the the best Hanukkah Christmas present in the world. <laughs> All right. I'm sure everybody's going to rush out and get it after hearing you on this. Let me move to the third song that we're featuring in this uh, song fest. This is the song Shout that you guys did, which I think was your second biggest seller. You know you make me want to shout. Throw my hand up and down. Kick my heels back and down. Throw my head back and down. Come on now. I get to say you will. Yeah, you want to let me go Yeah, yeah, 
Okay, got you a gold record for sure. Tell us a little bit about that. I was always a huge fan of the Isley Brothers. And for some reason, uh, it was used in the in the Belushi movie, uh, Otis Day and the Nights. They did right. a version of it. It was a big hit. But mine was the only version of Shout that made the top 10 in Billboard. We made number six. But I'll be very honest with you. The definitive version of Shout, there's only one was the Isley Brothers version. They wrote it and they did the best version of Shout that you ever want to hear. And we did some shows together, the Brooklyn Fox with Murray Decay, uh, every Christmas, a 10-day show. Isley Brothers are on it. I'm on it. Jackie Wilson, Bobby Rydell, on and on. Johnny Maestro and the Crest, the Shirelles. It was huge. It was huge. They could never put a, a, a concert like that together again. Run by Murray Decay, but guess who? Who's backing it? Morris Levy. <laughs> Back to him again. So anyway, the Isley Brothers did shout, and I did shout, and of course we did. We we went nuts. Took took our jackets off, our ties off. We, you know, that was our closing number. That's been the closing number of my show for sixty years. Wow, still is. Hey, it's a great song, and it's it's one of those songs everybody gets dancing when they hear that one. I got too much, um, too many accolades for my version. Uh, it, it belongs just like the twist belonged to Hank Ballard. Shout belongs to the Ivy Brothers. One, only one of a kind. Well, your version was pretty darn good, I have to say. Well, thank you so much. All right, the last one in the song fest that we're going to play is Yaya, which <laughs> 1963. I remember that one as well. Well, I'm sitting in the la la waiting for my yaya. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Sitting in the la la waiting for my yaya. Uh huh. It may sound funny, but I don't believe it's coming. Uh huh. Uh huh. Hey, baby, hurry, don't make me worry. Uh huh. Great song. Tell us about that. Okay. Now, at the Peppermint Lounge, we did a lot of cover songs. And uh, Lee Dorsey had a song, Yaya. Ya. And I'm a big lover of New, New Orleans. I love the music. I love the people. And I love the food. And I love the music, Fats Domino, and, and all those great people that came out of there. The sounds are just incredible. And I heard Yaya, ya, and I said, I'm going to put this in the show. So, And I sang it. So now it becomes number one on Radio Luxembourg in Europe. And that got me to go to Europe. And while I'm in Europe, do I have to tell you who I met? Do you oh, know? Yeah. What? <laughs> tell me who you met. It's just an incredible uh, journey I've taken. While I'm there, 19, October 1963, I'm working in Stockholm, Sweden. Joey D and the Starlight is in bold type and in minuscule type. The Beatles, <laughs> my opening act. 
I mean, Robert, you can't make this stuff up, man. You can't make it up. Wow. Everything I'm telling you is factual, and you can back it up. Do you remember that night, by the way? I'll tell you how much I remembered it, Robert. They came on and preceded us, and they tore the house. The people went nuts. And I said, wow, we better have our A game tonight. And we did. And we were cool. So uh, I went to their dressing room after the show, and I said, listen, I'm going to throw a party for you guys tonight at our hotel, the Hotel for Rest in Stockholm. And they were, they were honored and elated. And I said, so come around 10 o'clock, and uh, we'll have some booze here. We'll have this and that. What rock and roll guys do, you know, on the road. <laughs> So we had a hell of a party. So uh, George says to me, we're coming to the States in a couple of months. Uh, what do you think our chances are? At the time, their only original that they did on that show was Please Please Me. They're doing Little Richard, Isley Brothers, right. uh, and uh, Everly Brothers, and Fat Domino. I said, well, the songs you're doing along with, you know, Please Please Me is our only original, which probably could be a hit in the States. But you better bring more than that, unknowing to me. He said, well, you know what? You you were so gracious to us and inviting us and having that party that when we come to the States, we're coming to the Peppermint Lounge. And they came to the, and I said, yeah, yeah, you know, being skeptical, I'm from Jersey. Yeah, okay, right. yeah, all right. They came to the Peppermint Lounge, all four of them. And I have the pictures to prove it. And they're in the book, man. Joey D, you've had quite a career, quite a life. I mean, so many of these people, events, and everything that have passed by, and the fact that you're you've now chronicled the whole thing is just great. Well, thank you. Because otherwise, you know, these things are going to be lost to histories, and you're you're so uh, erudite about the whole thing. So I'm sure that this book is really a terrific book and really sets it forth. Well, thank you so much. I I really feel. It's uh, going to be a bestseller because the people that have uh, commented and complimented me about the book, just just look at Amazon and, and see the five-star reviews it's getting. It's just incredible. Fantastic. Okay. This is called the Peppermint Twist Chronicles. We have been talking with Joey D of Joey D and the Starlighters. It's a fascinating discussion that we've had. This is the history of the early 60s and the twist and what it was like in the clubs back then and the music business. You can't get it any better than hearing it from the source. Joey D, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Robert, thank you so much. You've been very kind, and, and I appreciate what you do. Terrific. Okay, so now we're going to hear again the song that I started out with underneath the introduction. It's my version, my reimagined version of the Dobie Gray classic called The In Crowd. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com. Oh,